This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And good morning. And as promised, Kate Wall, Sam Bauer have returned to help you out with your lawn and garden questions. And we, as I said last week, guys, I mean it, lawn and garden questions. Sam Bauer is the turf expert uh, from the University of Minnesota Extension and uh, Kate, who's been with us a number of times before, is a master gardener. Good morning, guys. Nice to see you again. Doesn't look very gardening friendly out no, there. No, but at I the tell moment. you, looking at that forecast, I have a feeling that we'll be seeing some lawns by the end of the week. Yeah, I think so. 52, the high maybe on Friday, yeah, Saturday. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. There's a little snow to melt yet, but uh, right. it will be most welcome. At yes, this point. it will. Well, and there's, there's lots we can think about coming up soon. Well, you as a master gardener, I mean, uh, just the gardeners uh, themselves, our listeners who are, and there are many uh, who can't wait. That's to right. get out there. We're an optimistic bunch. We're yes. always thinking about what's going to come next. That's right. Well, let's, you know, we mentioned the Master Gardener program and, and off air a bit ago, I mentioned that, that there seems to be a lot of interest since doing the show, <clears throat> excuse me, for years, that I think a lot of people are have an interest in maybe not necessarily becoming a Master Gardener, but certainly knowing more about it. Sure. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Why we welcome calls and text messages. What do you say? Right. Well, um, great. The um, Master Gardener program is is affiliated with the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. and it's a program for training volunteers to uh, share the research uh, based uh, information on horticulture with the community at large. And the program has a number of different objectives um, that that we teach towards, including improving improving horticultural skills. Uh, sharing information about plant biodiversity, um, certainly information on pollinators. That's become such a hot topic these days. Uh, increasing access to local food and teaching people about how to grow food. Um, and certainly uh, to provide information on climate change and what we can do to work with what's changing in our environment, the increase of invasive species, um, whether it be plants or little critters, bugs. It sounds like it's a real all-encompassing program. Really. Right. It, it, it is. It's, it's, um, there's room for all different uh, individuals to participate because there's so many different topics that we touch on. Uh-huh. There's even a lawn care portion of the training. Is there and really? Well, that's good to know. <laughs> and, um, no, we have a couple hundred new Master Gardener volunteers every year, um, and they get trained through the, the our, what we call the core course at the Arboretum. Um, and a lot of the educators like Julie and Mary Meyer and, and a lot of us are involved with that. Yeah, that's that, that's neat. And that's for those that have never been to the Arboretum, I mean, what a great resource that alone is there. That's right. Phenomenal. That's right. Yeah, and the, and the um, pancake breakfast is next weekend. Aha! And it should be a nice one. As I said, I'm looking at the forecast. If that's true, by Friday, sunny and near 52. So oh, not bad. Sounds nice. 651-989-9226. If you have a lawn or garden question, now is your chance. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Uh, I'll tell you what, guys. Let's go to the phones. Karen has been calling. Uh, is calling from St. Francis, I believe. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. How can we help you? We have an oak tree that's maybe um, 10, 12 inches diameter. We just like to cut it down. It's in a spot by the drain field. It shouldn't be there, and it's 
provide shade where it shouldn't. We want to get it down, but um, it doesn't, uh, I don't think it's disease, but I don't want to cause any diseases in the neighborhood or whatever. Can we cut it down still? And do we need to like get that stump out of there or not sure? Yeah, Um, it is actually a safe time to cut or trim any oak trees right now. Um, and, and it's because things are frozen, there's there's not uh, any bugs that are going to help um, spread the disease. So now is a good time to do that. And the stump, if if it's in the drain field, you're just going to want to approach that with some caution. Yeah, and depending on, on what you want to replace that area with, um, you know, you would usually want to grind that stump down and, and replace with topsoil and, and um, certainly want to get the, the wood chips out of there um, if you're planning on growing any lawn or anything like that after because the wood chips in the soil are really... Um, don't, uh, don't allow grass to grow very well. Yeah, I've, I've had that done in my yard, and I, after the stump has been ground, you try to get as much, if not all of it. Uh, there's some that's going to be left over there, but uh, but it took some uh, doing to uh, to get that grass to grow again. Yeah, with the wood chips, they're not decomposed, so they yeah. want to decompose when they're in your soil, and they take oxygen and nitrogen, oh, that's and a lot why. of things to decompose, yeah, so... Uh, Sam, a, a texter asked a question, and again, given our above freezing temperatures, is the ground still frozen? I presume it is, or uh, what do the, you think? The ground is still frozen. Uh huh. Yep, still frost in the ground, and um, it it will be. Uh, people so, people are anxious. It, and I'm anxious as well. I'm more anxious. <laughs> I'm as anxious as any of them. <laughs> right. Uh, this is what I do. So, um, yep. It's I'm ready to get going, but we're uh, we're we're well with uh, a month away or so. I'm sure. Texter wants to know: Is there any salt or salt substitute you can use on ice dams that won't kill the lawn? Ice dams. Uh, yeah, that's. A, I think it's a good question. Um, I think some of the magnesium chlorides um, are, are safer than than the standard. That's what I've heard too. Yeah, sodium chloride. chloride yeah. So that would be uh, something to look at there. Um, there's certainly going to be information uh, online on that of, of what would and be read the label one. too. Absolutely, read yeah. the label. Yeah, you bet. Um, but generally, salts and and grass do not. Uh, play well together. Um, so, uh, but the magnesium chloride would be my suggestion. Well, we see it and we laugh about it every week. We wait to see any creeping Charlie questions. One just came in: How to get rid of creeping Charlie permanently? <laughs> is it possible? It is possible, right? I think it is. I, you know, like we always talk about, creeping Charlie is really an opportunist um, species. So it does it does really well in, in heavy shade and and wet type of environments. So. Um, you know, that's the assumption that we usually make is um, Creeping Charlie is going to be growing in these areas. So, um, you know, a few options you have, if, if it's really uh, not a hospitable environment for grasses, you would want to give up and put mulch there and some hostas or pachysandra, something like that maybe. Um, if it's practical to prune uh, some of the trees to improve the sunlight penetration um, or aerate the lawn to reduce some of that surface moisture, um, and then I would go with some really shade-tolerant grass species in there, that area. But you know, depending on how much creeping Charlie you have, you know, if it's if it's thirty or forty percent, I would start over and just renovate the area completely, versus you know trying to find something that won't harm the grass. For example, if there isn't much grass to save, then usually I I think your uh, time and money are best spent um, just just starting over. Square one, back yeah, to square, square one. one. If you're just joining us, thank you for doing so. Kate Netwall is uh, in studio. She is a master gardener. Sam Bauer is the turf management expert at the University of Minnesota. He's our turf guru. So if you have any kind of gardening question or lawn question, now's your chance. Call us or text us today. I see one line is open, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. They're coming in pretty quickly, too. But you know what? Alice in Lindstrom, beautiful Lindstrom, 
calling in uh, this morning. Hi, Alice. Hi, uh, and it's good to hear from the Master Gardeners every week. Yes. I'm, I've been a gardener for over 60 years. And well, I'm... you started at five years old. That's amazing. <laughs> two years old. Oh, two years old. <laughs> okay. And I'm still learning things, and that's wonderful. But my question is, I received a little wicker basket at on Valentine's Day with the bulbs in it, and they came up, come up periodically, and that's wonderful and very fragrant. And now they're, of course, dead. And I'd like to know if I can save those bulbs to plant out now in the spring, or is it just uh, done for the rest of their life? Uh, do you know what kind of bulbs they are? Is it like um, narcissus or hyacinth? You said fragrant. They are the same plus tulips. Ah, oh, very nice. Very nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, you can try to save those bulbs. What happens is, is if you let the foliage die down, it's actually, you know, feeding the bulb. And you can try to salvage those bulbs, clean them off, put them in a dry paper bag, and store them in a dry, cool place. And then the time to plant them would be in the fall for them to come up the following spring. So it would be spring 2019. Um, I'm I'm not sure how viable the bulbs are from a basket like that. If that's you're really going to have 100% success, but it's worth trying since you have the bulbs. Okay, very good. You know we need to two, uh, take a quick break. We have more show to come here on our Smart Garden Show, brought to us every week by our good friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We'll talk about those good folks coming up in the Twin Cities. Uh, overcast, CCO temperature reading now at 26. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show here on A3OWCCO. Denning along in studio with uh, Kate Netwall, Master Gardener, and Sam Bauer, our tree turf. Well, he's, he knows his trees, too, but he's the turf expert here on CCO. You, you guys actually kind of know a lot about a lot of things uh, outdoors, don't you, as far as gardening? Um, but we know where to get more information if we don't know <laughs> That's it all. True. That's right. You have we good, know the right people. You surround yourself with good people Absolutely. for sure. Well, we have callers, as you can see. We have texters as well. Let's see how many folks we can help out here. Uh, Randy's calling from uh, Champlain with a question. Hi, Randy. Hi, how's it going? Good. So I had a question about gardening. I am a uh, first-year gardener. I just uh, had my first year of gardening last year. I'm trying to get into pickling and food preservation I put a six-by-eight garden in my uh, backyard in the back corner. It gets about maybe four to five hours of sun, and then the rest of the day is shade due to an overgrown tree in my neighbor's yard. I tried to grow cucumbers, and I grew them, I think, in last part of April is when I put the seeds down. And when they came up, the fruit of the plant looked like gourds, so the base of the plant swelled up with uh, the water intake, and then towards the uh, end of the actual cucumber, it was uh, very skinny, so I had a gourd-looking cucumber, and I was wondering what can cause that. I've been told by a few people uh, before that this can be caused by uh, planting the plants or the seeds a little bit too late in the year, um, so I was just trying to get some insight on that. Yeah. Well, good for you for uh, starting your gardens, you know. Um, it's a it's a great hobby, and it's, it's great to grow your own food, especially if you want a pickle. Um, I think what, what concerns me most about your question is that your garden is only getting four to five hours of sun. Um, they would probably, the plants that you're trying to grow would probably appreciate a lot more, six to eight if you can get it. 
Now the tree is um, your neighbor's tree, so you can't do much about that. Um, but if there's anything else you can do to um, move it to the sunniest part of your garden, um, that would be helpful. The other thing you can do is is make sure that your moisture is consistent. Um, you know, so if we're getting some heavy rainfalls, um, that you might think that for a lawn that's enough for like a week, but with your vegetable garden, you want to continue to give it water throughout throughout the week. All right, very good. Thank you, and uh, congratulations. First year, uh, full year of uh, gardening. That's, that's great. And are, are men, are there as many men that uh, look at the Master Gardener program as women, or what's the ratio, would you say? Oh, that's a good question, Denny. The, uh, to answer it, there are not as many men in the Master Gardener program. I don't know what the ratio is, Kate. Maybe you have a better handle on that. Um, but it, it, it feels like almost nine to one, I suppose. Oh, really? Okay. Actually, you know, we are starting to get more men and, 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 and a lot more younger individuals oh, joining right. the program. That's yeah. good news. Mm-hmm. Texter says geranium needs to be repotted into a bigger pot. Will it work to trim top down, cut some roots, then put it back in the same pot? You know, if it really needs to be in a bigger pot, it's the roots that need that bigger space to grow. So I'd certainly see if you can't go up one size pot and definitely trim some of the um, branches off the top to the next leaf node. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Nate is calling from Mankato. Nate, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yes, a very good morning to you, sir. Um, I lost a number of trees because of flooding uh, a couple years ago. They're going to have to be cut down. The question being, um, with the stumps, I don't want to have a project that's invasive to the lawn with big equipment or whatever to to grind the stumps down. Are there chemicals over the counter that a person can apply to the stumps to make them uh, decompose faster or uh, just take the stumps down to basic ground level without uh, doing damage to the surrounding lawn? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, yeah, thanks for the question, Nate. Um, so there are there are chemicals that exist. To be honest with you, I don't know much about them, and 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 even either way, I wouldn't think that'd be a, a very viable option for you. Um, you know, we would prefer to grind the stump and get that uh, organic material out of there. In, in most cases, um, you know, if you feel like you can grow grass around the stump, if you're able to cut it flush to the ground, uh, that might work because you can actually, you know, with a, a good chainsaw operator, you can get it pretty pretty low. Um, the only thing to be concerned with going forward is, you know, as the stump starts to decay in your lawn, you're going to get mushrooms and um, uh, things like that. So um, it might might take some time before it looks it blends in with the rest of the lawn, I would think. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell you what, let's uh, talk to Lynn. I think he's in uh, Farmington with a question. Good morning, Lynn. Uh, good morning, Denny. Say thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a couple quick questions. I got some lilac bushes, probably six, eight years old in the backyard along the fence line. Beautiful. But they're getting a little uh, out of control. So I want to prune those back. I'm wondering what's the best time of year to do that, if I can do it in the spring. My wife says wait till they're blooming. So I'd like to disagree, but I really can't disagree. And then the other quick question is, um, I got some silver maples in the front lawn, and they're very large. But the root system is starting to punch through the, the lawn. So I'm wondering how to address that, if I can fix that. I've heard that there's really not much you can do. So that's what I got. Thank you very much. All right, Lynn. Yeah, we can tackle the silver maple question first, and I think you're on the right page there. Um, there's there's not a whole lot you can do. Uh, you, you know, if you were to take soil in, for example, and kind of cover the, the tree roots with it and try to plant some grass there, the tree roots would just continue to keep coming up. So that's one of those issues with the, the silver maples is, is the surface roots there. You know, I suppose if you have some really, um, uh, I don't know, annoying one, get rid of, you know, you could 
probably cut some of those out of there, but I would um, I would not do t- too much uh, work in that regard. What about what about mulching around a tree? That's the is that good or is that could that harm the roots? Mulching is actually really good for the trees, okay. and and it helps keep the lawnmowers away from the roots that yeah. would otherwise damage the trees. So. Yeah. Okay. So, and then as far as the the pruning the lilacs, I... yeah. Um, you know, I, I hate to I hate to tell you, but uh, <laughs> you're going to want to wait for those trees to bloom out the lilacs and and enjoy the fragrance for them. Once they're done blooming, that's the ideal time to prune. Take about a third away, um, and then you're also going to want to look at removing some of the older stems in the center, and that'll help ca- bring up new new stems. All right. Very good. We need to take our usual break at this time. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. There's a line open, 651-989-9226. If you have a lawn or garden question, this is your time. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. We'll pick up on some text messages when we return. Overcast, 26 degrees, weather coming up. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Smart Garden Show. In studio, Kate Netwell, Master Gardener, and Sam Bauer, our turf expert here from the University of Minnesota, welcoming your questions by phone and by text as usual. And we have a bunch of both so uh, let's get to it. Let's see who's been waiting. Sandy is calling from Buffalo with a question. Hi, Sandy. Hi. Say, just a quick question. I just heard about the lilacs and when to trim those back. I actually have um, a full line of hydrangeas on the east side of my house, and they, too, have become really overgrown. So just wondering uh, when's the best time to trim those back. Um, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Sandy. Well, Sandy, um, now is a really good time, or actually, I'd wait maybe till next weekend when you're not having to battle the snow, and you can see the form of the hydrangea bush a little bit better, and um, and then that's a good time to start pruning. Try and prune down to where you find a leaf node. Okay. Sam, we should talk a little bit about that, because when, once the snow is gone, you don't you shouldn't really walk on that lawn just yet, should you? What, what can happen? Yeah, no, I think it's a good good question. I think, again, you know, we all get cooped up over the winter and we're all excited once the snow clears in the spring. Um, I think oftentimes we can do more harm than good by trying to get out there too, too early. So, um, you know, the root systems are very fragile at that point in time and the grass itself is, is fragile as well. So you certainly want to be sure that you wait till your lawn dries out before really conducting any activities out there. Very good. Uh, Stanley's calling from Eden Prairie with a question. Stanley, good morning to you. Good morning. I'm calling about the uh, the soysa grass. You see the advertisement for that uh, frequently. How does that, you know, go for our country here? Yeah, it's a great question, Stanley. Um, so not good to answer the question. Uh, zoysia grass is a, a warm season grass. I've actually spent quite a bit of time um, down in Florida maintaining some of it and, and overseas as well. Um, it's a warm season grass, so it's, it'll survive winters in, in Minnesota and Wisconsin, the Midwest here, but it's not green for more than three or four months. Um, you know, definitely seen it as a weed in, in home lawns. Um, I know they sell the plugs in your Sunday newspaper in some cases with the idea that it's an environmentally friendly, drought tolerant type of grass, and it most certainly is. But I would say um, basically from Kentucky south is kind of where we're looking you know, for the zoysia grass, it's it's only green from June to maybe September in Minnesota. How do you spell that? Uh, Z-O-Y-S-I-A, zoysia. I You're correct. No, I had no idea. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of grass, uh, let's see. Uh, 
I was going to ask why I already did that. Jody in Prior Lake is next up on the phone. Hi, Jody. Good morning. Morning. What can we do for you? I, ha- I have a question. I know you're talking about lawns and grasses, but I have a question about houseplants. And I have um, some type of infestation that's kind of spreading on my houseplants, and I wondered if they could maybe answer a question about what I can do. It's a little brown, round um, uh, dot that is growing on my uh, spider plants, and now it's going to my hibiscus. But um, I've tried different things on it, wondered if you, it, it kind of leaves a sticky residue on the plant. I don't see any bug or anything like that, but do you have any suggestions of what I might use? Yeah, uh, Jody. it sounds like you have scale growing on your plants. And um, there are some systemic uh, treatments that you could put in the soil where it actually is brought up to the plant itself. Um, but the best thing you can do is wash the leaves. It's probably on the underside of the leaves. And that sticky stuff you're seeing is the, is the honeydew. It's the excrement from the little scale plant, and it gets sticky and kind of messy all over. But you can wash the underside of the leaves. Those little brown bumps you're seeing are actually that little scale critter. Okay, mm. interesting. By the way, Smart Garden is brought to us by every week by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We thank them for that. Uh, let's see. There's, uh, text messages, we have many. Let's uh, get to them. I like to hang a large birdhouse in my black walnut tree, but I'm wondering if it's not a good idea to use nails. Would nails harm that black walnut tree, do you think? Probably just a few wouldn't hurt, but eventually the nails will work themselves out. So maybe screwing it in um, if, if hanging is not an option for you. Okay. Is it time, Texture says, to start seeds for tomato and pepper plants? Any hints for how to raise them so they are not so tall and spindly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it is a good time to start your peppers and tomatoes. It's a, I think, you know, by the end of the month is, is probably the ideal time for tomatoes. Um, when you're starting them indoors, it's really helpful, especially with those um, plants, to have a heating mat or some heat source below them. And then to keep them from getting spindly, you want them as close to the lights as possible. You know, as an earlier caller uh, was or texter was wondering about uh, getting rid of creeping Charlie permanently, and, and Sam, you were talking about if if the yard really is the majority needs to be redone. And the question is, what do you mean by starting over? Yeah, I think it's a good question. So what I mean is, you know, again, looking at the percentage of creeping Charlie that you have, you know, you have two options: is one try to kind of work it out of there and, and establish grass, and that's just a longer term process. And you're looking at several herbicide applications. Um, something with triclopyr in it is is going to be the most effective for creeping charlie. That would be like weed be gone for for uh, clover, chickweed, and oxalis. That's the specific weed be gone you're looking for. But what I mean by starting over is um, is, is is killing all of the vegetation there, um, and that would be glyphosate or Roundup, um, or you could even use a plastic sheet, and we call that solarization, and that would kill all the vegetation as well. So I'm actually going to direct you to our website, uh, turf.umn.edu. Uh, and on the sixth page there, there is a there are a series of lawn conversion uh, video series. There are seven videos that will help you through the whole process. Yeah, we we have to mention before you leave uh, that website again because it's a great resource. We'll do that. Uh, how do I get rid of texture? Says mushrooms in the yard. They don't uh, hurt anything, do they? No, they really don't. The mushrooms are you know unsightly, kind of just a nuisance. There, um, they're basically forming. Um, due to a couple of different reasons. One is, is mainly decaying organic matter, whether it's branches or stumps or, you know, things like that in your soil. So it'll, it, 
certainly should um, improve over time, and we see a, a lot more mushrooms with moisture. So the more you can reduce the watering of the lawn, I think it'll help. Um, but as far as mushrooms, just mow them off, and um, uh, that would be my recommendation. There. This may be a little too early to talk about that, but what do you think, Sam? What's your theory or philosophy about fertilizing lawns? And not necessarily weed and feed, but what, what just regular fertilization. Yeah, you know, um, for like your lower maintenance lawn programs, if you're just going to fertilize your lawn once a year, for example, I really like that early September timing, oh, okay. like around Labor Day for that. If I were just to pick one, t- you know, the best time of year to fertilize. In the spring of the year, the you know, the grasses are, are, are waking up on their own as temperatures warm up, and they tend to really um, produce a what I would call a flush of growth. Uh, in the spring. So I think, you know, holding back from some of these spring fertilizers until maybe Memorial Day would be kind of my ideal timing there. Um, But if your lawn is really not growing very good and looking pretty unhealthy in the spring of the year, then you can, you can push it along a little bit with fertilizers. Um, But generally I'm, you know, concerned about some of the environmental aspects and um, things like that. So I like to put the fertilizer down when the grass is most actively growing. Good idea. Gary is calling from Maple Lake with a question. Gary, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yes, thanks for taking my call. I about I think it's two years ago we planted a new ever-bearing strawberry plant, and if I remember correctly, it's like honey-eyed, honey-owed. And the first year we were really impressed with them. Stems were high, the berries were high up on stems, and they didn't fall over. Well, last spring. They bloomed like crazy, set berries like crazy. The berries got about the size of my little finger, turned red and totally rubbery. And we basically didn't get any strawberries because the whole patch was like that. And I went to a couple places, nurseries, and they said it was lack of fertilizer, which I find a little hard to believe being an ex-farmer. I've probably over-fertilize, if anything. Any idea what happened to those strawberries? Because the patch is there for this coming year again. I I mean, there's new runners there for this year, so kind of curious to know if anybody's got any ideas as to what really happened. Yeah. Um, you know, it sounds to me like it could be a moisture issue, uh, and uh, I've seen strawberries just crack because they've gotten you know too much rain or not enough with their small and rubbery maybe maybe a little bit more moisture but I'd like to direct you to our website because I think there's a, a great publication there on growing fruit and that'll probably give you some more information on how to treat your crop going mm-hmm. forward so our website is um, extension.umn.edu and um, slash garden and that'll direct you right to that source All right, tell you what, let's take a break. We have more show to come. Don't go away. Folks on the line, hang in there. And texters, uh, that number is 81807. We'll be back with more of the Smart Garden here on CCO. Temperature reading 26 degrees. Don't forget, turn your clocks ahead one hour overnight tonight. And welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden show here on A3OWCCO. In studio with us, if you're just joining us, Kate Netwall, Master Gardener, and Sam Bauer, who is our turf expert from the University of Minnesota. Uh, guys, we have uh, callers and texters, and I know we always seem to run out of time. So let's see uh, how, we, how many folks we can help out here. Uh, Diane's calling from Garden City. Diane, we're all listening here on CCO. What, how, what can we do for you? Hello, Diane. Okay, I don't know. I think we're losing the signal, Diane. Give us a call again. I think your uh, your cell may be uh, out of range or something. Gloria is calling from Blaine with a question. Hi, Gloria. Hi, hi. 
My thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. My question to you is: I bought a house here, a vacant house, at, uh, last year, and it had this huge new plant uh, shrub, and it grew into the yard. And I uh, took up half the front yard, and I hired a guy to come and chop the thing out. So the thing they took it out, but the root system is so vast that it's into the yard, and there's no grass there. It's just a lacy surface root system. It's massive. How do I get rid of that, and who can I have come help me with it? I think that's a really good question. I mean, unfortunately, it's going to be a labor-intensive, you know, type of situation. I'm not sure as far as contractors that would that would help you, you know, with that. Um, certainly, some of your tree care providers. Um, so you, I don't know, Kate, maybe a certified arborist or something would would help with some of that. Yeah, uh, or a, a general landscape company. Um, you know, I oftentimes when we're moving um, shrubs like that, they'll have like a backhoe with a fork that can actually dig down and lift up that root system and try and get it all at once and then grade over that area and reseed. Yeah. I think a la- I think you're right. I think there are a lot of landscape folks that do other things. I mean, they do snow plowing. They do yeah, all a, sorts of things. A full yeah. service landscape. Full service. Right. I like that. That's a better term. Is it too late? Texter says to trim an old oak tree, it's too big to get your arms around. That oh. big. Oh, this is a good time to trim oak trees. If it's too big to get your arms around, just be very careful, and you'll probably want to hire um, a certified arborist to tend to something that large. Oh, yes, definitely. 651-989-9226 or text is 81807. Texter says, had an overgrown yew scrub that spread out into the yard. Had the yew removed, but the uh, lacy root system still is intact. Looks like the same phone call that we maybe just, just had there. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So landscape uh, contractor. Yeah. Yeah. And they can use a fork to kind of pull it out of the ground. Yeah. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. Texas is so little growth on the length of a spruce tree branches except the ends. What's the chance that fertilizing will help this? Well, fertilizing um, may help, but I think you've got an, a bigger issue, and that might be um, one of the fungus, like um, needle cast or something like that, that is actually causing the branches to uh, the needles to fall off the branches. So, I think you need to have that tree diagnosed by an arborist. It's always a good idea. Tree care company. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I need to water my grass, uh, Sam Texture says, "How long do I water for?" Uh, that's a good question. It is. So, um, you know, the answer is it depends, I guess, uh, whether you have an in-ground irrigation system or whether you're referring to, you know, the hose and, hose and like an oscillating sprinkler uh, type of system. With in-ground systems, we see what I call, you know, precipitation rates. So that's the rate that, the you know, the, the water is falling from the irrigation system, anywhere from a half inch per hour to two and a half inches or three inches per hour. So for me to put a time frame on it is really tough because everyone's situation is a little different. But again, I'm actually just going to um, direct you to our webpage. It's turf uh, turf.umn.edu, and about the third or fourth post down will be a short six minute video that we call um, "Green Grass with Less Blue," and it talks <laughs> about how you can measure um, the amount of water that your lawn is is putting down. And uh, it's a, a really good educational video. I think that'll help you out. So we said at the top, uh, the folks are anxious to get out there. Many folks are anxious to get out and work in their gardens and their lawns as well. I wanted to ask you, Sam, about uh, weed and feed. I started to ask you this when we first uh, sat down. But when do we start applying weed and feed if necessary? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are really two different categories of weed and feeds. One would be 
the 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 feed indicates fertilizer, so they all have fertilizer in them. But the weed portion, um, we have spring weed and feeds that would be a crabgrass preventer uh, plus fertilizer, and then in the fall we actually have weed and feeds that would be like a dandelion or a clover killer plus a fertilizer. So, as far as the spring, um, we call them rather than weed and feeds, we call them uh, pre-emergent, pre-emergent herbicides for crabgrass. Uh, the timing for that is when the soil temperatures get to, you know, just before they get to about 60 degrees or so. It's usually about early early May or, or late April for us here in, uh, in at least the Twin Cities area. But um, there are some great websites that will help you out um, for, for timing that. One that I really like to use is called uh, gddtracker.net. It's a, a growing degree day tracker from Michigan State University. Very good. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Wayne is calling from Hutch. Uh, Wayne, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. I have two giant hibiscus uh, plants. They're just gorgeous. I bought them last year. They're perennials. They bloomed wonderfully. Um, when I bought them, I did repot them into five-gallon containers, added a little shake-and-feed fertilizer and some compost, and they were, they were just wonderful all summer long. Uh, I knew a lady that had one. And I said, now what do I do with it in the fall? She said, well, I just cut mine back, you know, down four inches above the, the pod and bring it inside in, in a dark, cool spot and, and wait till spring and then bring it back. My question is, when do I begin to bring it back? I have not uh, added water or anything to them all winter, so they've been laying dormant. Do I, uh, you know, start gradually bringing them back with a little bit of water and then once they do start to uh, produce growth, should I add some more fertilizer, or how do I prepare them to set them out? What do you think? Yeah, well, our, um, we're, we're getting more daylight, so if you have a place in your home where you can bring it out and expose it to some daylight and start watering it, I think, um, you know, with daylight savings times and our, our, our longer sun exposure, it's a good idea to bring it out, get it acclimated to the indoors and, and, and bringing it back to life. Um, once you start to see some leaf growing on it, then I, I do a half strength of fertilizer. And then when it's time to take it outside, you're going to want to take it out slowly. So uh, initially you want to maybe put it in the garage for a few days and then maybe in, um, take it outside and have it in a shady spot for about a week or so, so that it can get acclimated to the outdoor conditions and also the sun exposure. So Mm. you don't sunburn the leaves on the plant. Yeah. Texter says, I have a crabapple tree where the apples did not fall off in the fall. Will I get new blooms and new apples this year? What do you guys think? Yeah, well, they, the plant breeders are growing a lot more apples that, um, crab apples that have that what they call persistent fruit. Um, I think you'll be surprised that there'll be a lot of birds that'll come and clean off that tree before spring. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And, and, and there definitely will, will bloom again. They're uh, bred for that. Well, that's good news. Texas says, I am planning to grow sweet corn this year. I was told I should have my soil tested. How do I gather a sample, and where do I send it, and how much does it cost? Yeah, a great place to send a soil sample is to our testing lab on the uh, St. Paul campus. Um, you, can, you can mail it in, or you can, you can hand deliver it in person. We're actually right by the state fairgrounds there in, in uh, kind of the Falcon Heights area. Um, your regular soil test is just $17, and that'll give you everything from your pH, uh, your phosphorus potassium levels, your, um, your percentage of organic matter in the soil, and then your estimated soil texture as well. Um, so for $17, it really goes a long way to try to determine what amendments you would need to add to your soil uh, to, to grow some nice sweet corn. So we have to wait a little bit 
before we can dig into that soil yet, right? Right, but anytime you can get you know some um, some of the loose soil and, and ready so, to submit, um, you should be able to do that as long as the ground is unfrozen. But when you just type in soil test University of Minnesota, it'll bring you right to the soil testing website, and there are great instructions on there on how to actually take the soil soil sample. That's a great that's a great service. Uh, we have to run off. We're just almost out of time. Last year, Texas is doing a prairie burn. The fire singed slightly burned some large spruce trees. Would fertilizer help them recover? What do you What do you think? That's a tough question. Tough. To I, see. you know, I think once it's burned or singed, it's oh, singed. I don't think it. that you're you're not going to have that come back. It's not. They don't regenerate their needles. Okay. Well, speaking of coming back, we hope you both come back real soon and and help us out again. It was yeah. great to see you both. Thanks Thank for the you. last couple of weekends. Well, it, thanks we, for having. It's us. been fun. Yeah, thanks for and that university website quickly is extension.umn.edu and the garden tab. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. In the Twin Cities, twenty six three. Get those home improvement questions ready. That's next hour. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.